Welcome back to Leaders of Color, a podcast by Leading in Color. I'm your host, Sarisha Iyer, and on today's episode, we are joined by Brianna Nelson. Brianna is a community developer, youth engagement worker, and above all, a very proud young Black woman. She has a passion for social justice and mental health and is committed to amplifying the voices and experiences of Black, Indigenous women in color within her work. Since graduating from the University of Toronto with a bachelor's with an honors bachelor's of science, she has worked for a variety of nonprofit community-based organizations and currently works as a community health and education assistant for the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, otherwise known as CAMH. Brianna is also the founder of the Women of Color Durham Collective, which is a youth-led community organization in Durham region that is run by, for, and with Black, Indigenous, and other self-identified women of color from the ages of 16 to 29 plus, with the purpose of making space for support and community. Welcome to the podcast, Brianna. Thank you so much for having me. How are you doing? What's new with you? What have you been up to these days? Um, I've been well, I think. I know that we're all in that season of life where summer is coming to an end. So I've really just been trying to get outside as much as possible, do some fun things and end my summer on a good note. I know September comes with a lot of fear. So I'm just trying to enjoy the now and the present. Yeah, absolutely. I know it's a big transition time for a lot of folks too. Um, when we're recording this right now, it is August 17th. So we're just in the middle of of the end of summer. And this will go up later on in the fall for folks who are listening. So you can hear how stressed we were and then hopefully everything will be okay by then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, what have you been listening to or reading? Anything you've been doing that's cool you want to share with our listeners? Yeah, of course. Um, I have been listening to, and I've been listening to this for a while though, but the Lessons Learned podcast by Kamal Minhas, if anyone is out there and loves a good podcast really awesome. It's really just about like overcoming adversity, understanding more about resiliency and your own personal journey and just honestly coming into your own as a leader. I learned a lot from her and her experiences. So that has been something that has been on play every day. Well, whenever an episode drops. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yes, I'm subscribing to it right now. (laughs) So yeah, you've mentioned in your bio that you're the founder of an organization in the Durham region. Tell us a little bit about your organization and what it is that you do. Yeah, of course. So you already mentioned that the Women of Color Durham Collective, of course, is a youth-led community organization that is run by, for, and with Black, Indigenous, and other self-identified women of color um, from the ages of 16 to 29 plus. And of course, our mission is really about building a community that inspires knowledge sharing, leadership, healing, creativity, and amplifies the voices of Black, Indigenous, and other self-identified women of color in Durham. Um, So a lot of our programming is focused around young women, but we do also understand that um, there isn't necessarily a set age range of who is a youth and who is not a youth or can bring that youth perspective, which is why our age range is 29 plus. Um, because we do want to make space for communication and specifically intergenerational communication and connection. So our organization, we run a lot of different programs right now, of course, virtually, but our essence as a whole is just connecting folks in the area to give them space to share their experiences. That's amazing. 
what motivated you to start doing this work? Are you originally from Durham region or how did you get involved in, in doing this work in that region? Yeah, that's a really interesting story. I moved to Durham, specifically Whitby. I always get the year wrong because I feel like it's all a blur now. I think I've been here for almost 11 or 12 years, um, but I originally grew up and, and lived in Toronto, um, specifically close to the Runnymede area. Shout out to Swansea Mews, my old neighborhood. Um, and I just loved being there because it was just such a diverse community of people. I used to have people who would like come to my door and ask for vegetables and seasonings and it was just like a common practice where there were no boundaries like in the sense that everyone was just so connected you can go outside and ask your neighbor for something they'd give it to you no problems um so I moved to Whitby middle of grade eight which I know is a horrible transition time but that's just how life mm -hmm. is um and I came up here and it was just so stark it's such a stark change for me because for one like the neighborhood that I am currently living in it was quiet it was a new development there were no kids outside there were no mm -hmm. sounds I was so used to music like soca and, and reggae music playing down the street mm -hmm. and people running around it was very very different experience for me um, and just through my experiences in school that little bit of grade eight where I kind of just came in and felt like the odd person out high school was a very similar experience where I just couldn't really find my place I just felt like here I am this young black girl who who wants to fit in so badly here but feels like she doesn't connect um so I think a lot of the initial stages of WOCDC came from my personal experiences transitioning here and trying to find or mm -hmm. rather trying to build roots um I always just felt like I was the odd one out I always felt like I was out of place and I specifically have shared with other folks that when I moved here, it was the first time that I actually understood the concept of being a minority. I mm -hmm. always heard that word many times before, but when I was in the classroom in grade eight and I was one of maybe five other people of color, um, I just really quickly realized that I was very much so isolated. I, I could easily mm -hmm. be singled out. Um, the way that I dressed was so different from others. And it was just an, a very life-changing experience for me. And it led to a lot of... Um, issues in terms of trying to figure out who I was like what is my identity like who is Brianna um I definitely had a very reflective process through high school and university but yeah I, I think our organization really came from that initial experience that I had um but also connecting with other people in the community and asking them like hey I've been feeling like this for a while um I don't feel like I, I fit here I feel like I want to leave but I don't because I see that there's so much potential here and I want to know if you feel the same way too. And mm -hmm. just from like that simple question, I got so many other people telling me, yeah, you know what? I feel the same way. I like it here. It's nice. They're great people, but I don't feel like I belong. And I, I don't know why. And the common thread was always, it's a person of color who feels like we're not represented in this space. Mm -hmm. So me, I will say, I've never considered myself a true leader in the sense. Mm -hmm. So when I kind of heard what other people were saying and I, I realized that, it was similar to how I was feeling. I was like, okay, great. I have this information. What do I do with it? Should I tell someone who is more qualified and maybe they'll be able to bring something to life? Or do I take it on myself? And I, I had struggled with that idea. Um, mm -hmm. Like, what would that look like for me? Am I ready to step into that position? Is anyone going to care? Is anyone going to listen? Mm -hmm. um, but once I did, 
and I definitely needed push, like a really, really big push from people. But once I did, I just realized that this is more than me. It's more than my uncomfort. Um, yeah. it, it's so much more because I see it in how many people we've been able to reach, how many people have said like, you know, what you're doing is great. I hope you keep doing it. I hope there's more. I can't wait to see what the future is for WCDC. So long-winded story, but it, it came from my experiences, my team's experiences and our community's experiences. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, you raise a couple of really interesting points that I want to touch on. First being this idea that you didn't feel like you were a leader in that sense and, and wanting to still do something. How did you kind of grapple with that? I know you, you touched on it a little bit, but how did you grapple with that in order to start something on your own as opposed to to giving it off to other other folks to do? Mm-hmm. That, ugh. I think it's so important to reflect on that space that I was in because there was, there was a time in my life where, and it actually not even a time in my life, I still do it now. Mm-hmm. Um, I always write down what I'm thinking, my thoughts, my ideas, I have to write them down. I feel like I'm going to lose them if I don't write them down. But for a long time before I got into WOCDC, I was just writing down what I was feeling, what others were sharing with me and an idea of what an organization could look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember the job that I was in, I was in like a call center type job and while I would be making calls, I'd be making notes. So I specifically remember one day when I was trying to come up with a name, I'm like, could it be W-O-C-C-C? I'm like, that's annoying. (laughs) And I just kept coming up with words and words and finally, W-O-C-D-C isn't that bad. I kind of like that idea. Um, but I still didn't feel like I had enough experience in a leadership role to be the person to bring this to life. So honestly, a lot of my, I would say WCDC could have come earlier, um, but I sat on this idea for probably around two years um, because I just oh, wasn't wow. sure. Yeah, I just wasn't sure what it could look like. Um, I'd come up with ideas and then I'd, I'd tell myself that they were wrong or no one's going to really want to see that come to life. Um, but when I would say when that transition point hit for me, was specifically a conversation I had with my partner. Um, We were driving home one day and I was like, you know what? I've had these notes in my notebook for a while. Let's just talk about it, like open arms. Let's see what it sounds like out loud. And Mm -hmm. if you tell me it sounds foolish, then I know. Yeah. Uh, And I recorded our conversation and I'm so glad that I did because I still have it to this day and I get to listen to it. And I get to hear that like wide-eyed, eager version of myself who was like, okay, like maybe it'll look like meetings in my kitchen. And maybe that's where it starts. It starts right at the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we build up and, and we have programs and, and we have events and like conferences. And I'm just saying all of these things with no basis or background. And he's like, that sounds awesome. How are you going to do it? When are you going to do this? Are you going to launch mm-hmm. it? Are you going to launch it now? Um, and with that push, that was around August. I can't remember a year, but probably 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, I finally, come February, it was like, okay, I'm going to put out an application form. If no one applies, then I know that this isn't necessary, or at least I'm not the one to do this. Mm-hmm. But if someone applies, then maybe I'm doing something right, and maybe people are resonating with it, and mm-hmm. perhaps, it was always like, a, maybe, perhaps we can go forward with it. Um and for the first week, I will say I got no applications. I remember crying, being like, no, this isn't it. <laughs> Nobody wants this. Um, and then I got my first application. And it was one of my friends. 
And I just, I was so overwhelmed. Again, cried because I was like, someone, someone believes in me. And from there, it was another application and another application. Um, And it was people that I knew. And I was like, oh my goodness, like, wow, I have a great range of folks in the community who care. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, what was so defining in terms of like finding out if I could be a leader um, was when I saw an application with a name that I didn't recognize. It's like, who is this? I I need to know more. And when I I looked Mm -hmm. into some of the questions, this person was just like, you know, I really see what you're doing. And I, I thank you for all that you're doing because I feel so seen. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I was like, this is this is real. Like, it's not just, you know, my friends supporting me because they want to see my dreams come true. It's also people here actively engaging because they think this is a good idea and I should move forward with it. I should move forward with it. It shouldn't be mm-hmm. someone else. I can do this. So I needed all of that. That's why I always say like for me stepping into that leadership space, it took time. I'm still someone who doubts myself as a leader and it's okay for folks who are listening. It's okay to doubt yourself. Self-doubt isn't something that you can just get rid of tomorrow. Um, But always challenge that doubt and tell yourself like, hey, you don't think you can do it? Well, just just watch. Just try. Mm -hmm. Right. And, And see where you land. Even if you fail, try again. I think that's a great message to send out and that's something that I know I personally have struggled with as well as like not wanting to take a risk if I don't know that I'm going to succeed <laughs> it's like the opposite of the definition of a risk um but I think that's amazing that you had the support around you um to keep pushing and, and keep going um was it a decision to start the organization itself um that kind of brought about the the current team I guess that you're working with now um and who was on that team how did you guys collectively meet was it through this application process um so the people that were originally on like the first iteration of the team um majority of them are still a part of our our current team makeup um and a lot of them are my friends so I think honestly those initial conversations that I was having with people where it was like hey do you feel the same way that I do um do you think this sounds like a good idea would you want to be a part of it those conversations was what really built our team. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I saw their applications come in, I was like, oh, yes, they resonated. Some of them, I just, I know them, like from school or from work. Um, and it was just along the lines of, hey, this is a great idea. I want to build this skill set. I think I can help. How do I get involved? Um, and for others, like I said before, it was just like, hey, this is such a great idea. I feel so seen. How do I get involved? How do I support this? Let me tell my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it kind of built out that way. So right now, and I think this is a really great time because we just put out additional applications for executive team members. So our full team will be a team of 12, including myself. Um, but right now we have such amazing people. I cannot stress how awesome my team is. Um, we have our sub teams, so it kind of helps with organization. Um, and kind of our structure is that we have directors and they kind of manage the sub teams. And then we have our coordinators who work with their directors to get all of the things done. So we have mm-hmm. our marketing and communications team, which includes our director of marketing and communications, creative projects coordinator, grant, um, not grants, graphic design and content coordinator. And then we are also hiring on a social media coordinator, which is super cool. Um, on our operations side, we have our director of operations, our research and policy coordinator, 
Um, we're also hiring on for a finance and fundraising coordinator too. So that is a, um, another sub team. We have our programs and services team. So we have a director of programs and services um, and an engagement coordinator that we were hiring on. And then our last team is our community development team. So we have our director of community development and our events coordinator. So it's just, it's great the way that things have kind of like, I would say filled out in the sense that we have these smaller teams running and mm -hmm. once a month we have our full team meeting, we get to hear from folks like, how has everything been going? Do you think we need to pull back on things? Do you think we should move forward with things? And I always say, like, I don't, I think when people think of like a community organization or a collective space, they're like, hey, you're the founder, executive director. Do you call the shots? Do you make the decisions? No. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Whenever something comes up, I put it back to the team and I'm like, we all have to make the decision whether or not we like this or not. Mm -hmm. That's the only way we move forward with it. So that's sort of like our organization. That's all the folks that are kind of involved. And every one of us is between our actual age range. So we're either, um, I would say we're pretty much within our, the 20s range, most people on our team. Um, and we all are from different areas within Durham um, as of now, but our organization is for folks who are either living in or connected to Durham region. So you don't necessarily have to live in Durham to be a part of our team. And so what are the programs that you offer um, for the folks in your region or outside of it? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I That's such a diff difficult one to answer just because of, of course, every organization right now has had to do a lot to pivot um, mm -hmm. due to COVID-19. So our organization, it really took a hit in terms of our engagement. Right before COVID, we were planning this meetup series where folks would get to connect with other people in the community and support other businesses. And that had to be canceled. Um, and we really had to think about how we were going to move forward. Um, and in that space and time, we actually decided to rebuild the organization from the ground up for a couple of different reasons. One being, I quickly realized like at the beginning of, or the inception of WCDC really came from my experiences. And at the time, none of the people that I hired on had a chance to develop the mission, the vision, our, our goals. And I didn't like that it was, it was so centered around my ideas. Um, and I really wanted them to be a part of that process. So we all kind of agreed to starting right from the beginning. And we went through and we changed our mandates. We updated um, our information and we developed three different pillars. So we have connect, create, and cultivate. And that also is synonymous with our, our programs and services that we offer through the organization as well. So our connect pillar essentially connects with um, or essentially is related to making meaningful connections in the community. So that would have been our meetup series that we had. Um, but of course, since we had to shift things and try to find ways to engage with folks online, we ended up developing online chats. So back in April, we had our Community Care Sunday series. Um, and that really focused on creating a space for women of color to learn from one another and share what they're passionate about. Um, and then we've also just launched our Confab series, which is essentially a safe space. It's a smaller, intimate space for folks to talk about various things that are relevant to their life, their experiences, and just unpack it with other community members. Um, and our first session of this was a hit, so we're really happy. And it's great to see that, you know, 
we've been able to shift our lens instead of having folks outside in the community meeting and engaging we've been able to lead things online and and people are really um, still engaging and resonating and wanting to see more from that space for our create pillar that's sort of like the next step in engagement and it relates to i would say projects um it kind of relates to like developing new ideas or exploring different topics and experiences so we actually have our Hue photo series, which stands for Honoring Unapologetic Expression. Um, and it was created not only to highlight lived experiences, but also to showcase the beauty across Durham region. And of course, again, pre-COVID, this was a small intimate photo session with about six to 10 women from the community. And each session was tailored to a theme and a different location in Durham. Um, and there were also community development activities attached to that too. And we had a set of questions that we'd ask each person that would better illustrate their own personal story and connection to the region. Right now, we're still hoping to bring that back to life, but of course, with more um, things in place to ensure that everyone is safe. So that's another thing. And then our cultivate pillar is just all about scaling up ideas in a big way. And for this pillar, all I can say now, there's so much I have to leave off folks just because we are in the development stage. So things have not launched yet, so I can't share it all. Um, but our team is actively working on developing a community program for the future of WOCDC. So that's something I'm super excited about. Um, but yeah, that's really in a nutshell what we're doing right now is online engagements. We're really focusing on that, making sure we can engage with people in meaningful ways um, and get them connected to other folks in the community um, and serve as that kind of like connective space, but also coming up with new and exciting ways for people to, to create things um, that would perhaps help them stay rooted to this area. Um, and connected to all the other things that exist because Durham has so many beautiful businesses, sites, um, the nature and just the whole experience here is amazing. And I feel like once you live here and you see it all, you, you start to appreciate this area so much more. And within this space of WOCDC, we really want folks to, to understand like there are, will always be barriers to access, you know, but mm -hmm. If we can provide that that bridge, letting you know that like you are allowed to take up space, you can come here, um, and providing that that safety that like community will always support you as such. I just think that's phenomenal, and that's sort of like what we're kind of moving forward with right now. Yeah, that sounds amazing, and that's a lot of programming to keep up and and to go through online as well with COVID. I'm wondering. I know clearly that is one of the challenges has been transitioning online, but has there been any other challenges that you faced in doing this work um, in particular? Yeah, I would say funding is very, very tough. That um, has been a common theme on this podcast. <laughs> I, I can understand that because as youth-led organizations, it's so mm -hmm. difficult to secure funding. There are so many barriers when it comes to applying um, and we're a completely grassroots team. So no one on our team currently receives payment, mm -hmm. myself included. Yeah. We're all volunteers. Um, we're also a non-registered organization. And of course, mm -hmm. there's a large difference in terms of access when you are registered um, yep. and you have a charitable status number as opposed to when you are unregistered. So mm -hmm. that's always been a, a barrier to us. Um, I'd also say availability. And I say that in the sense that we are in a very, very difficult time at the moment. 
-hmm. Some folks have jobs and are privileged to as such. Some folks have lost their jobs. So it's, it's been a balancing act trying to understand like how much work each person is comfortable doing, understanding that they have commitments that, that should come priority to WOCDC. Like I always tell our team, you are people first, your positions mm -hmm. are great. They, they matter. They're amazing. But I care about you as individuals first and foremost. So if something mm -hmm. isn't working, if you have a full-time job and you just can't squeeze in time for WOCDC work this week, let me know. Mm -hmm. I will help you and support you as best as I can. Um, because for a lot of people, I would say, I would argue all of our team, the work that they do in WOCDC, it relates to either something that they're passionate about um, or something that they'd like to enhance in terms of their skill set for the future. So I wouldn't mm -hmm. want them to to lose that space and, and that place to be able to engage with other people. For me, just our team meetings has been that space for me where I can like unpack. I feel like I'm actually with people, even though I'm not physically with people. So I think I wouldn't actually say availability. I think I would say balance, finding that balance, that healthy balance where mm -hmm. folks feel engaged and they feel like they have want to say autonomy when it comes to work mm -hmm. but I think that has been like if I had to say two that would be the top two challenges right now and how have you been working on overcoming those oh, it's been a lot of different things mm -hmm. one in terms of the leadership sense it's being flexible so providing folks incentives um doing check-ins with teams like letting them know that I'm here doing individual check-ins with each person, asking them how their day's been, um, and, and just engaging in that in that space again as, as people first and WOCDC work second. Also doing research on different pathways to funding. Um, whenever we have events, we also want to be able to give folks honoraria. Um, I'm a really big supporter for um, no work should be unpaid work. So mm -hmm. It's just been a lot of research and understanding and, and trying again and failing, but also being transparent about the whole process in itself. So it's it's been a whirlwind and we're always still trying to learn more. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the resiliency that comes with that is one of the most important things, at least I don't know if you feel the same way, but that I found um, is in order to continue doing this work when we're being unpaid and trying to pay other people and <laughs> like figuring out what this weird balance looks like. Um, it's hard unless you have something to hold on to um, that, that helps keep pushing you, I think. Um, is there a particular thing for you that helps you uh, continue to, to maintain this level of work that you're doing? Like when I think about what WOCDC is at its core, it really is about building a better and brighter future for Durham Region. There, mm -hmm. There's so many talented people in this area, so many amazing people doing amazing things who have never felt like they've had a space um, that really represents them, have never felt like they can show up in this area as their truest selves. Um, so it, knowing that we're creating that space for people has been I would say life-changing. Also, having people send us comments and DMs, and I thank everyone who has because it's just been, like sometimes I have to, like I'll read them and I have to close it. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is just like too much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but hearing people share with us that, you know, hey, what you're doing is phenomenal. I feel like this always need to, needed to be around. 
now that you're creating this space, I finally feel like I have a place in Durham or this is so incredible. I don't know if you have any like open spaces on your team, but I really want to support. Mm -hmm. Seeing community show up for us has been everything. And that is without a doubt what keeps all of us on track with the work that we're doing. Because just like you said, like finding ways to pay folks while also not being paid is very, very difficult. But it is so much more meaningful for me anyways to hear from people and see that they're they are resonating just to see that they they care and they are willing to support us and show up for us mm-hmm. that that's why I, I find myself nowadays I'm just like what's next for WCDC I get so excited about visioning and, and seeing what comes for our future because I've always told people this but my goal for this organization is once I no longer consider myself a young person I want to be able to pass this organization to the next generation So Mm -hmm. it'll always be a consistent space in this area for them to kind of envision what their lives as women of color will look like um, Mm -hmm. for the future. So whenever I'm thinking about, oh, this is is a lot of work and all of these deadlines, I'm just like, think about it when we get to a space where we are so proud of ourselves. We've gotten so many things completed and so many steps pushed forward. And then we get to give this over to the next generation and they get to reimagine everything that we've been working on. I just think that's the most exciting thing for me, (laughs) which keeps me on track with everything. That's amazing. Um, I was actually just having that conversation this morning with someone about like Lady in Color has been going for one year and they're like, what are you going to do when you're not a youth anymore? And I was just like, oh, I just turned 25. Like in our in our books, like, I'm not going to be a youth next year. <laughs> what do I yeah. give this over already? It's only been a year. <laughs> what do I do? So I totally, I totally get that. And I think I also came to the same conclusion of, like, when I consider myself no longer a youth, I'm going to pass it along. And, like, hopefully I build something that's sustainable enough, mm-hmm. right? Like you've said, um, so that people can take it over and, and lead it. Uh, in the, in their own way and keeping with the same mandate and, and core values. So I think that's incredible. Speaking of like what is next for you, what is next upcoming for your organization? Um, we are planning our next session of our Hue photo series. Um, and that will be, of course, something that will have various, impl- um, sorry, let me cut that. So we are planning our next session of our Hue photo series. Um, and that will have various steps in place. Um, we're thinking about smaller, separate groups of people over two different days so we can get those photos done. We can still do our community development activities, um, but it's not a larger group um, and it's spaced out as such so that we can um, make it. We'll definitely be hiring more people on. I know our applications for our executive team members just closed. But I do foresee come fall, we will be bringing more people onto our team. Our team is forever expanding. It's so amazing to see. Um, And other than that, just finding new and creative ways, as always, to engage with people um, is our mission right now. Again, pivoting. I feel like that is the word of 2020 is pivot. (laughs) But that'll definitely be something that carries us um into the fall and into the new year as well sounds fantastic and I think you're totally right pivot is the word of 2020 like pivot (laughs) adapt 
change yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for sure we talked a little bit about the challenges that you're facing earlier but what has been the most exciting part of the work that you're doing the most fulfilling oh my goodness okay one I think building this team finding these amazing humans in this space bringing them all together and and seeing all of their ideas come to life has been amazing um like I'm just like literally thinking about all the things that have happened just from like small ideas that they've had um one great example is our confab series that we recently launched um confab is an actual word in the dictionary and it essentially just means like a small um intimate discussion um between people but when we were trying to figure out what to name this series, we were like, we want it to be different. We want it to be cool. We could not think of a name. And our graphic design and content coordinator, Mujneen, is just like, hey, I found this word. I think this word is cool. Just like that, that whole word became, I would say, almost a core pillar of WOCDC confabs and, and what it means and what it looks like and, mm-hmm. and our definition of, of it as well. So just seeing everyone bring their own into the space and coming up with such amazing things like Kiana, the way that she just ran our first confab, full registration, so much engagement, so many people in that space openly sharing. Like mm-hmm. you, you can't just you definitely can just create spaces like that. But I think seeing how my team is really just flourishing um, and, and how much they are doing, also acknowledging how much they all, all have to do in their own lives. I think it always just touches me because again, these, these folks aren't being paid and I try my best to give them um, some type of incentive and let them know how much they, they matter and how much I appreciate their work. But seeing how much they pour into WCDC always blows my mind every day. Um, other than that, as I've shared already, the comments and feedback from people in the community has been the best thing. The emails, the DMs, just the conversations I've had when we were outside at different community events where people will stop by our table and say, you young people are really changing the world. Like, thank mm-hmm. you for doing this. Or I know my daughter is is too young at this moment, but I'd really love for her to be a part of any programming that comes out in the future. Like things like that, seeing people, hearing them and, and feeling like all of this is not for not has been everything. That's amazing. Yeah. The impact that you have, I think when you can see it visually and, and see all the hard work that you've done be put into something actionable and, and sustainable is definitely, um, a sure sign of success in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So where can people find out more about the upcoming work that you're doing? Um, where can they find your social media? Where are you at? And any opportunities to donate to what you're doing? Yeah, of course. So you can find us on our website, which is www.wocdurham.ca. Um, our website also has our donation link. Um, so many other super cool things like um, we have our philosophy. So we, our organization does operate through an intersectional feminist framework, um, more about our team, ways to get involved, such as volunteering. If you're interested, we have a contact page. Let us know what you're looking for. You can also directly email us at info at wocdurham.ca. Uh, we are more than happy to support you. And we love that folks are willing to connect with us and, and support our work. So 
yeah, just connect. Let us know what you're into, what you're vibing with, and what skills you'd like to develop. I always stress that when folks are reaching out. Let us know what skills you're interested in developing so that we can pair you up with folks on our team so that you get that experience um, out of your volunteer efforts. You can also check us out on Instagram. Our Instagram is at WOCDC. We also always have cool stuff up there. Um, And through our link in our bio, we have typically have like any opportunities that are up. Um, We'll have all the links to our websites, newsletters, et cetera, in there as well. And you can also check out our Facebook page, WOC Durham, um, for additional updates as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, Brianna. Before I let you go, we want to invite you to take part in our closing segment that I like to call How I Would End Racism. Um, So as young leaders of color, we are constantly actually trying to reduce the harm that racism causes both towards ourselves and our communities while we fight to end it in whatever advocacy spaces that we're in. Um, But imagine if we could do that instantly. So in under a minute, pitch your funniest and most creative way that you would end racism from a Thanos snap to have all our problems solved to a robot that takes over the world and gets rid of all the racists. I don't know. <laughs> what, <laughs> what is your boldest idea to how to end racism? I love this question. Oh my goodness. Okay. So it would definitely have a magic school bus type feel. Bear with me as, as, I, as I explain this. Um, but it would be like a group of badass anti-racism leaders and scholars of today like traveling back in time to serve justice to like let's say patriarchal racist folks of the past and present like let's be real y'all um (laughs) while also providing like educational lessons to everyone um and I feel like it would be a space of like shifting the narrative and unlearning problematic views and um because I'm thinking magic school bus right now, I think it would include time travel. There'd definitely be some wacky adventures in there. I see like everyone wearing super cool suits. Um, and I also feel like whenever they show up, it'd just be like, who are you? And they'd just be like, um, we're from the future and you're going to learn today. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's really the type of thing I'm thinking, but <laughs> that's my mind right there. That is amazing. I am so down with that. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. It was wonderful to talk to you. And I can't wait to see what's next for you and Women of Color Durham. Uh, And yeah, all the exciting things that you have upcoming. We will be sure to stay tuned to and, and to share with our networks. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. This has been wonderful. And thank you for the support um, for our work. I think it's so great to connect with other people doing really great things. So shout out to y'all at Leaders of Color for this podcast and providing a space for young leaders to just talk, dish, and have fun. Like that question at the end was fun. <laughs> we all deserve to have fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's the goal. Like we don't always have to be, I mean, we do always have to be very serious and dealing with everything, but yeah. once in a while, like, let's just have somebody else do it. Yes. <laughs> all right.